Well, good morning, and let me add my welcome. It's wonderful to have you all join us here this morning. Uh, as uh, we were singing these songs, I just uh, was reminded of how important it is for us to be able to come together. We're hoping that when you're joining us online that you're able to sing along. And uh, sometimes it seems kind of weird to be singing, uh, especially by yourself, but singing along with us always helps. I, I enjoy it, even though there's only a few of us here. So, well, with that in mind, with all of the things that are going on these days, uh, I've heard and participated in conversations with a number of people who uh, really are enjoying the services at home. Many people are very grateful that we do the live stream, and uh, I've had a number of people who have expressed to me in conversation that it's going to be hard to come back to, to being in the church building, that they really kind of enjoy being at home, uh, being able to be in their pajamas or casual dress or whatever it might be, uh, and uh, just kind of wondering uh, what it's going to be like for them when they do come back uh, to being here in person. I think uh, the casualness of being online is attractive to a lot of people, and uh, I understand, you know, where that's coming from. But as I've had these conversations uh, and thought about the significance and practicality of that, uh, I have found uh, myself going more back and back more and more to Scripture and uh, looking at what the Word of God tells us about we as the church and how we as the church should be functioning and how we should interact with one another. And so one of the things that I want to talk to us about today is we, we really have uh, two choices here uh, or, or two uh, things that we need to consider and figure out about this issue. When the church opens back up, what am I going to do? How am I going to handle it? So the first question is, what is best for me? And when I say me, I mean your fa you and your family, whoever's in involved there. What is best for me and my spiritual walk? And then secondly, what is best for the church? And the church is the people. What is best for the church and others that I would interact with? And so as we... Uh, go through this service today, I want you to be kind of thinking about that. What is my part? What is my role? What should I be doing uh, with all of these things? And what is the scripture? That's the most important part. What does the scripture tell me about this? So if you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to turn to Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to be looking at verses 22 through 25. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, 22 to 25. Uh, and I'm reading from the ESV. Verse 22 says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So as we look at this, we look at uh, where, where are we starting? The first point that I mentioned is your personal spiritual walk and your family. What is, where are you with all of this? And so uh, as we're thinking about that, what is 
what is going to prompt you or promote you to grow deeper in your spiritual walk with the Lord? And these verses were encouraged, first of all, to grow in our faith and our understanding of God's word. Part of that requires us to understand the finished work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. The writer of Hebrews is addressing a people group who had uh, were in the process of drawing further and further away from God. They, they, they were a, a group of uh, believers who had trusted Christ, but now were, were kind of wandering off away from that. There was something that was causing them to not uh, be focused on uh, the Christian walk. And that's one of the problems that we can run into as well as we uh, find ourselves being tied up more and more at home. Uh, we can find ourselves not uh, getting after the Lord. And the problem with that is that if we allow ourselves to kind of drift like that, we can find ourselves uh, starting to question who God is and who Jesus is and, and what my faith is all about. And that's exactly what the world wants us to do. The world wants us to just give up, to walk away. But we are called to a faith. We are called to a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And we have to remember what he has done for us so that we can continue in our spiritual growth. Now, if we want to stay at home and, and uh, watch the online, that's wonderful. But your impact on somebody else may be missing. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit further in a moment. But we have to make sure that we're not just doing everything just for me, but what is best for the church. Um, these, uh, these people, uh, as they were drawing away, were questioning uh, the finished work of Jesus Christ. And that is uh, why uh, the author of Hebrews here starts with a couple of phrases, and we're going to see three of those in here. Uh, it is the let us phrase. I don't know if you picked that up as I was reading it, but there's three times where the author says, let us. And the first one was found in verse 22, where it says, let us draw near. Draw near, that is drawing near to God through the finished work of Jesus Christ. You see, we, we can't draw near to God unless we believe in the finished work of Christ upon that cross. Now, what does that mean? Uh, you know, sometimes we, we are in church and some of us have come to that point where we understand that, we know that, but there are other people, there might be some of you who are watching online, uh, who don't really necessarily understand what it is that Jesus has done for you. So let me just go through that kind of briefly with you, but I, I want you to understand this because it is the foundation upon which all of these verses are based. Uh, first, God so loved the world. <laughs> that he gave his one and only son. Think about that. While we were his enemies, while we were sinning, God loved us in spite of that and decided that the only way that we could draw near to him would be to have faith in his son, Jesus Christ. And so he sent Jesus Christ into this world. And I, as I read the Bible and I, I think about the beautiful things that the Bible tells us that heaven looks like, I, I can't imagine the amazing love that would be associated with Jesus being willing to leave heaven and come to earth and have to deal with sinners all around him. Because you see, we're all sinners. Every one of us are a sinner. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None of us is perfect, uh, and so we all need a Savior. And that's why God sent Jesus Christ. 
Next, we're told that Jesus lived a perfect life. Now, I can't imagine what that means exactly, other than only God could accomplish that, and God, Jesus is God the Son. Because in our human nature, we all sin from infancy. Babies start to sin, and we all sin throughout our lives. And so God recognized that, and he sent his Son. And Jesus, opposite of that, lived a perfect, sinless life. He was 100% man, but he was also 100% God. And was kept from sinning. While uh, he was sinless and living a perfect life, people chose to reject him. In fact, they rejected him so much that they brought him in and brought false charges against him and had him crucified upon a cross. Jesus hung there and died on that cross. And by, while he was dying, he was taking your sins and mine upon himself. That's pretty overwhelming to think about when I, I think about a sin that I've committed or something that, that I've thought or done and, and to think that that was poured out on Jesus, God, hanging on that cross. And yet, what a blessing because Jesus was taking my sins away for me. By doing that, Jesus has prepared for us a place in heaven where we can spend eternity with him. Now, it would be all wonderful if Jesus had just hung on that cross and taken our sins. But if he was buried in the ground, which he was, and stayed there, then it would all just be a story. But the blessing is that God raised Jesus back to life again. He brought him back to life. Jesus was raised to life after three days in the grave. And he came back, and he was seen by hundreds of people over a period of 40 days. In fact, at one time, the scripture says that at one point, there were 500 people that witnessed Jesus all together. And that gives a, a, a fact that Jesus Christ, who had been dead, was raised back to life again. He was interacting with people. Then, one day, Jesus ascended into heaven with a crowd of people standing there watching him Jesus ascended into heaven and went to sit at the right hand of God the Father. Because of that, we know that Jesus is still alive. He was brought back to life. He's still alive. He's still in heaven. He's making a way for you and for me to get there. One of the things that we sometimes forget in this day and age, because again, as you're watching online, you also have access to other things online and you can find uh, other people who think other things. But one of the things that's the most important lessons that we have to always remember is that there's only one way for us to get to God's heaven. In John 14, 6, Jesus said to himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's the finished work. He is our only way to get to heaven. The world is going to tell us all kinds of other things, but the Bible is very clear that that is the only way. And in John 20, 31, it says, But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. It's the most important promise that we can ever have. And we have to draw on that. We have to rely on that. That is 
Coming to Jesus is that drawing near to God that we're asked to do. And and we're coming with a fullness of faith. The faith doesn't come from ourselves. The faith comes from God. God gives us the faith to believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And then our hearts are sprinkled clean from evil. Will we still be perfect and flawless? Of course not. We're all sinners. We all will continue to struggle. But we're called to go back with a fullness of faith, to draw near to God with our hearts sprinkled clean because of the blood of Jesus Christ. When we draw near, we draw near with a true heart. A true heart is, is basically one that is truly believing in the finished work of Christ that I just talked about. And it's important for us to go there every single time because it's easy for us to get misled or to follow along a different path, but we're called to come and to have that relationship. We need to believe and hold fast to that. We have to to hang on to that and, and to be actively involved in that relationship. And the world wants to pull us aside and and get us to go in a different direction. And so we have to be actively involved with that faith. We have to to actively be working at understanding and believing and trusting. And and, and the more we read the scriptures, the more we understand God's word, the more that we can do that. We need to make sure that we're not being drawn away, but we come with a faithful, true heart that is seeking only God. Well, the second let us is to hold fast to our belief in Christ. This is keeping, holding, this keep means it's an active thing of holding on to the truth of God's word and the finished work of Christ. And, and that only comes about as we interact with other people. That only comes about as we, we read scripture, as we interact with God in prayer and trusting through, through uh, understanding his word and, and in prayer. But it's a continual process. It's not something that I've done it once, and so therefore I can just go on and and do whatever I want, but it's an active process of growing and maturing and learning more and more about God. It's the confession that we have of our hope that the teaching of the Bible that we received is true and accurate and something that we can rely on. The, The Bible was given to us, it's a written word of God to help us to understand more and more about God. If we're not in God's word, if we're not trusting it, if we're not seeking truth from him, it's easy for us to be led along a trail that is going to lead us away from God. And that's why he asks us and encourages us to hold fast. If you think about that term, hold fast, that's, that's not something that, that I, well, I, I held on for a little while. No, it's hold on, continue to hold, continue to draw close, to hang on to God and trust him. And that's an active thing that we need to be about and doing on a regular basis. We need to be able to confess our faith and our hope in Christ. You know, sometimes we, we uh, know the word and we believe and we trust, but, but we're maybe bashful about sharing our faith or telling others. But we need to be involved in other people's lives enough that we can encourage them and tell them about Jesus Christ. All of us uh, need that. We could, you can be a believer for a, a week or a, or a day and you need that encouragement. You can also be a, a Christian for your whole life 
and you still need that encouragement and that blessing to have people coming alongside and helping you to grow and to mature in your faith. And so we need to have that. So when we, when we watch online, and we're so grateful for that ability, I mean, it's, it's wonderful. But as we watch online, we, we have to remember that we're hearing the teaching of the pastor. We're hearing the, the, the comments from uh, the, the praise team as they're up in the front and they share some things, the, the welcome leader who welcomes us. But we need to be more involved even than that. Right now it's very difficult because our adult Bible fellowships and our small groups, our Sunday school and our activities in the church are, are not happening. But you know, there are still some things that are going on. I'm aware of, of a number of people who have used Zoom to go online together to communicate with one another. Our Bible study, which meets on Tuesday mornings, we're still averaging about 10 or 12 people every week who are coming. Uh, some in person are coming here into the church. Some are doing it online. It's, it's that idea of getting together, meeting, trusting God's word, and growing in our faith with his word when we come together, we're able to encourage one another in our belief system. You know, sometimes we, we, uh, we can think about these things and we can th think, well, you know, uh, but this hasn't happened or this has happened and it's a bad thing or whatever it might be. And it can just cause us to get confused and, and to wonder. But the call is in verse 23 is to hold fast. And, and if, you can, if you can kind of picture that, uh, if you're holding on to something, you know, sometimes you're holding on to something and your hand starts to get a little bit tired and, and weak and you, and you start to let go a little bit. And if you let go too much, it's gone. And it, it'll fall away from you. But the idea here, the concept here is hold tight. Keep holding on. And we do that as we trust God, as we listen to the Holy Spirit, as we're in his word, as we're trusting him and holding on and affirming our faith and our belief in the finished work of Christ on that cross. But you know, the, the world wants us to doubt. The world wants us to question, to wonder. So they throw all kinds of other stuff at us. And, and, and it causes us to, to question. But again, if I'm holding on, if I'm, if I'm not letting go, I'm, str I'm strongly holding on to that faith, then no matter what is coming at me from outside, I'm not going to give that up. I'm not going to walk away from it. The more I'm able to hold on and affirm my faith, the stronger my faith becomes. Because as I work through problems and troubles and difficulties in life, my faith gets stronger and stronger and stronger. It's when I succumb to the world and, 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 and the fear and the angers and all of the other things that I can get drawn away. But you know, when we, when we come together in person, and I know that not everybody is comfortable with that yet, and I understand that it's going to be a while, but, but when we have opportunity, we need to come together in person because we encourage one another when we're together. We're able to tell each other things that otherwise we can't necessarily do. Because the third let us is this, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Do you ever think about that word stirring up? You can't stir up somebody or something if you're not near it, right? I mean, you have to be in close proximity to be able to stir. If you think about a liquid and you're mixing something together to stir it up, you have to be 
there with it. The same is true to stir up one another. We are to stir one another up. We're to, to be involved in each other's life so that we are pressing forward in our faith. To, to stir up, to love, to, uh, to love one another and to do good works with one another. If we're home and never come together as the body, it's impossible for us to continue to serve people, to stir people up. Let me explain an example of this if I could. Yeah, you, you could watch an online service and we're so grateful for them and please don't misunderstand when I'm telling you this. But you could watch it and you could send somebody that you know later on a text or an email. Or you might even give them a call on the phone and have a conversation and just encourage them with that. But how about the person that you don't know? How about that person that is seeking and wondering and questioning and they're out there and they decide to come to a church service, but now they can't come in person. They can only watch it online. How do you stir that person up? When I was a, a young Christian here at the church, I was working on the police department and I had to work shift work. And sometimes I, I, I would uh, uh, work a midnight shift on a Saturday night. And for a while I would come sometimes even on a Sunday morning after that, but I slept through most of the service. So I uh, decided that that probably wasn't the smartest thing. So I would miss church services because I had been working. Or maybe I had a, when I got to day shift, I would be uh, working during a Sunday morning and I would miss the service. And if I would miss a church service, there was a man, Mr. Swanson, who was here. And he would make a point of talking to Ann on that Sunday and saying, tell Hank that we missed him this morning. You don't know how that impressed and impacted me to have my wife told by an elderly gentleman who was here actively involved in the church come and say that I was missed. And then the next Sunday, if I was here, he would come over and he'd make a point of coming over and saying, oh, I'm so happy to see you. I'm glad that you're here this morning. And, and that spurred me on. That stirred me up. That caused me to want to be here. I loved the preaching. I loved the teaching. I loved all of the other things. But it was when people would reach out to me and make that personal contact with me that it got me really motivated to be here and to be involved in the church. So in verse 25, you notice that it says, not neglecting to meet together, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. You see, the day is drawing near. We, we don't know when, when the day is over. We don't know when Christ is going to come back. But we know from Scripture that it's soon. I don't know what soon means, but I know that it is going to happen. And so we need to stir one another up. We need to, to be together and encourage one another. It's not all about just me. It's about us as the body. And as we come together and we encourage one another, as Mr. Swanson did to me, you don't know when, when you walk out into the hallway and you greet somebody and you say, hey, I'm glad to have you here. You don't know what that might do in that person's life. When, when you're in here in the sanctuary and, and, and when we're able to do that again, when we can get up and greet one another, you might go over and, and talk to somebody and, and that person might tell you, you know, would you pray for me because I have this need? Or, or they may tell you something that you need to hear that day. 
That's the value, one of the values, there's many, of coming together and being united together. And that's why God's word here in Hebrews encourages us not to neglect meeting together. The meeting together is coming together as a body. It's not uh, watching online. And, And again, I'm not criticizing that, I'm grateful for it. But there's also great value in coming together in person to encourage one another. So if you haven't picked this up, it's about together. So the idea here is to meet together. As we meet together, we are, all, we are doing all of these elements. We're, we're doing all of the things that the scripture is talking about together. We are drawing near to God. We're able to hold fast to God's word and teaching. And then we can stir one another, another up to move forward in our spiritual walk can't do these things at home in our pajamas. We can't do these things as we're watching the live stream. We have to be together. We have to come together here as the body to encourage one another, to bless one another, to teach, to help one another, to understand. Sometimes just to give a hug or a handshake is what people need on that particular day. Well, as I mentioned in the beginning, I've had a number of conversations about people really enjoying the online and and wondering about, you know, how hard it's going to be to come back. One of those was a conversation with my son and daughter-in-law who just moved to Pennsylvania. They really have enjoyed our services online and, and really appreciate it. But they were saying that Even though they enjoy it, they recognize that they need to find a church there in Pennsylvania near where they live so that they can get involved for this very purpose to to bless and encourage other people, to help people to draw near to God. And so I'm I'm grateful that they recognize that. And I want to encourage all of us to make sure that we don't just step back and say, well, I'm getting the stuff online and so I don't need to do anything more. There is more. We need to be involved with one another's lives. We need to interact with other people so that we can encourage them and help them to grow in their daily walk. So my encouragement today is do not neglect the meeting together. Come together, bless one another, encourage one another, and help one another in our spiritual growth. That's what being the church is about. So my encouragement is come meet together in God's house as the body of Christ. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Lord God, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for your word that gives us that hope and promise, that blessing of the truth of your word that we can know and learn more and more about you on a regular basis. And Lord, your word very clearly tells us here to not neglect the coming together to being here together in your house with your people. And so, Lord, as we contemplate that, as we examine that, help us to decide personally what is best for me and what is best for my family and what is best for the body of Christ. Do I need to be here? Do I need to interact with other people? And clearly, your word tells me that, yes, I do. And yes, I need to help others 
to grow in their spiritual walk, to draw closer to you, and to make sure that they have an active, healthy Christian life that only comes about through the finished work of Christ, but then us interacting with one another on a daily basis. We pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.